Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me for this episode, I have comic book writer and entertainment journalist, Stephanie Williams. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you co-hosting again. Um, I really like that you've joined the fam of like a co-host. Yeah, I mean... I was probably going to just text you one day and be like, I've established that for myself, but it, I'm really happy to hear you like officially say it. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to introduce our guests we have today? I sure do. Um, so host of Alistar Reviews It on YouTube, we have Alistair Patton. Hi. And then um, next to that, we have host of Stand By Me and freelance writer and baby boy. Aaron Reese. Hi, Aaron. Hi. <laughs> Stephanie's making fun of me because I called him baby. I always call people baby boy. No. If if they're a loved one. I love it. <laughs> um yeah, so we're here to talk about Invincible. I I got a lot of when I said that May was gonna be a month for the podcast that like kinda we could do some one-offs, a lot of people actually were asking for this, and the episode okay. I had planned for today fell apart. So I was like well, Invincible just ended and people were asking about it. Why don't we do an episode on it? And I asked Stephanie because she is my resident comic book expert um, and she was down. And then I asked Aaron and Alistair because I knew they both loved the show. Um, this show, I can see why some people were hesitant because I, from the looks and from the promos, it feels just like you're very like par for the course superhero stuff, right? You can't, it's hard to say how different it is without you actually watching the episodes, I think. Which I would even say that first episode, which is strong, still feel it feel felt like very good YA superhero stuff to me until we get that end. And I gotta know, I wanna know first, before we get into the talking to the show, your reactions to that end of episode one. Aaron, what was your reaction? I think Invincible is very I would say that's quite profound in the sense that it's indicative of what American animation is doing right now. And I think more so than the plot, I was just really fascinated with the type of animation, the voice cast, um, and the world that it sort of like quickly established within episode one. I might ruffle some feathers saying this, but I think it achieves it achieves what the boys is trying to do quite better in my opinion. Ooh, he he came with a hot take. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but you read the comics, right? So you were you knew that this was coming. Yes. So I read again, and there's like a ton of these books, but I did read like the first three to four volumes. Um. So yes, most of the things um that happened in like the first two to three episodes, like I did see coming. But the pacing is a lot different in a comic as well. So in terms of like certain like plot reveals and things like that um those things kind of vary but yes i was aware i was waiting for it (laughs) alistair what was your first reaction to that end uh so i watched it on like a saturday morning and i was just Mm. like chilling you know having breakfast my coffee and it just seemed like like you said like it's it almost feels like a wholesome right like episode uh that is just like taking you know like superheroes that we kind of know from uh, uh, from Marvel and from DC, and then just uh, revamping them so that it's in this invincible world. And but that ending, once that ending happened, I got up. I was standing up watching that ending. I could not believe what I was watching. It was like him just absolutely obliterating them. And the the it, uh, the one that I keep on thinking about is uh, the the guy who was like the the Batman version. Was it yeah. Darkwing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way he just died so fast, and I kept on thinking, that's actually what possibly could happen between actually Batman and Superman. So I don't know. It was kind of satisfying to watch. And I was so glad that there was two more episodes after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie? I I loved it. Um, Actually, similar to Aaron, I kind of felt like the show does a better job of doing what the boys thought that it did for season two. 
Um, because at first season I'm still like, okay, I, I can get with this. But um as far as like translating to comics, it's just really interesting how close to the comics Invincible was able to be <laughs> versus the mm. boys where they had to like damn near revamp everything because it's just I don't know, like just offensive for just no reason at all, other than just being offensive. Mm. Um, so that was the thing, and then also like that ending, I it caught me by surprise because I wasn't expecting it to happen so early. Mm-hmm. However, um, I loved it. I ended up loving that it did happen early because I, mm-hmm. I love that they turned this whole thing of like, you know, having Debbie like actively suspect like, you know, her character arc for giving her more to do leading up mm-hmm. into like that very terrible thing that said to about her in the very last episode. And also like, I just, love Mark's characterization and even Omni-Man uh, Nolan. So, yeah. I mean, does he say some shit that is really fucked up and completely destroy a whole, not a whole city, well, it destroys a planet, but uh, destroys a bit of Chicago to um, mm. prove a point? Yeah, he does. But, you know, let's bring back villains that we want uh, to fear and hate instead of, uh, you know, trying to toe the line of, well, he has a point, but he doesn't because he's a fucking colonizer and I want him dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I want him dead. (laughs) Yeah, I can remember I watched this stoned like just like i was like oh like i think same thing with you alistair i think we might have started like the same time alistair like i had three episodes and i was like cool this is cool this is like very it felt before we got to that end it felt like very good superhero storytelling like very par for the course but still like well done clearly the cast is like fucking great um and yeah stephanie that's a good point i i feel like even though it's a superhero origin story and that stuff doesn't feel that different mark still comes off as like way more likable than a lot of superheroes in yeah. origin stories do. Like, and I have a lot of trouble. I'm like such like a gay grump, right? Especially if it's a straight dude. I'm always like, Ugh, we've done this a million times. I don't care about a straight dude's superhero origin story. You know, he's like right at that age where he's like 17 or 18. That's like the age they always make them. Like it just felt, mm-hmm. but this worked, this worked. Um, and I liked it before we got to that end. And then I remember I got to that end. And I remember my like mouth was just like wide open. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like when he like punches through the the green lady's just like face after splattering Nightwing and like throwing his remains on her. And she's just like, oh shit. And he like punches a fucking hole through her head. Like the the violence is like over the top, but it still works, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it does. It doesn't really service as the plot. Yeah. Yeah. And just real quick, like, I wonder, though, have we are like, are we all for the most part so receptive to Mark because it's Steve Ewan and it's not some random white guy? Because I feel like for me personally, like that's playing that played a huge role in that. I would have to agree. I think you're right. And actually, I wanted to bring up the fact that so Stephanie and Aaron have read the comics. Alistair and I have not. But you mentioned in the comics, he's not Asian, right? Mm-mm. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, that makes me, I like that. I like that they changed it to him because hands up, I'm not a big Walking Dead person. Um, so I don't know much of the actors from it, but I knew I knew he was from the Walking Dead. But I was like, shit, now I understand because I, I remember him being killed and people being mad. And I was like, he is very charming. I understand why people were upset when they killed his character. He was amazing in a Walking Dead. And like he started off with such a... Such a wholesome role. Like he was a pizza delivery guy um, that like saved um, Lincoln's character. Like I think in like episode four or five, mm-hmm. once he like escapes the hospital and like starts exploring downtown Atlanta. But his character arc actually reminds me a lot of what Invincible himself goes through. He kind of starts to shed skins of innocence, if you will, and it makes him. It makes him not only likable, but I feel like it makes him relatable. Um, and I feel like in this case, like, I feel like I kept having to remind myself, Ian, to your point earlier about being like, you know, a grumpy gay. I feel like a lot of the choices that he would make, I would go like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And then go, oh, right. He is a 17-year-old privileged boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this, like, this makes all the sense. Um, and there's there's this interesting dynamic that I feel like has not 
really been honed in on in a lot of superhero medium, which is sort of like the passing of the mantle yeah. to the young, like to the younger receptor. I feel like we don't really get to spend a lot of time with those type of stories. The best I can think of is actually Young Justice that does that well. Hmm. You know, Aqualad and Aquaman, obviously all the Robins and Batman, all that good stuff. But I feel like here you kind of, you know, like to, um, crap, what is that horrible quote from the Dark Knight trilogy? Where it's like, you live long enough to see the, see yourself become the villain. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much sort of that energy. And like, my heart kind of broke for him. Um, yeah. Nelly. Like when you actually like when you see the realization hits his face, like who his father really is, um, and the things that he to Stephanie's point earlier, the things that he says about his mother, oh. you're just like, damn. Like I get it. That hurt my feelings, right? It did. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> like this woman you loved, who loved you, you're gonna find. Like I really, even at that moment, I thought he was gonna say, "Your mother is the exception." Is what I totally thought he was gonna say, but no. I know he calls her a fucking pet. Like it was Jesus. A very Tyra. Like we're all rooting for you. Like we were all rooting for you because. You know, in my head, and I think Stephanie already knows this, but like he was definitely Daddy Omni Man to me, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but once this finale happened, I was like, okay, let me just sit with the fact that you truly are a colonized man. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's it's crazy because like I, I was thinking after I watched the finale, okay, so he said all all that horrible stuff, but he was sent there to weaken the planet, you know, to get it ready for uh, takeover by the Viltrumites or whatever. But he spent 17 years just like, you know, having a family and and doing all that other stuff. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that he would just like be like, oh, I'm just going to chill for 17 years. And right, then it's a lot like, of dicking around for 17 years. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there's there, there's probably a different layer to that. Because like, oh, when he said that line, though, when he said that line about the mother and then you saw her see that. Oh, uh, gosh. yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, and son, I'm like, don't disrespect Sandra O like that. Right? <laughs> Queen. Um, but so, yeah, the show, we get a lot of, because we know that Omni-Man, it's an interesting bit of storytelling, right? Because I'm usually, you know, uh, Steph, when we talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm usually all about like leaving the reveal to the end. Like I think Sharon Carter, that reveal shouldn't have been there till she walked out of that courthouse. Um, I think lots of times the reveal it's better to leave it. But I think this worked better because you were so stressed about like, is Omni-Man going to try to murder Mark and his mother is like all I kept thinking about like every other episode. Um, and they did a good job of showing us, you know, I mean, we knew he, he was Superman level, but we didn't know, like we don't really see Superman doing murders like this unless it's in like an alternate dimension or like <clears throat> some other like one-off whatever. But Seeing that he could like, like you said, Aaron, he splatters that dude just like by yeah. full force of smacking him on the ground. Um, you see just how like violent he is, and he didn't seem to care. Like I remember the the first person he kills. I don't remember the character's name, but it's like the speedster dude who's like yeah. actually doing a good job of like helping people not die. Then he just grabs him and like smushes his fucking face oh. in. Like he isn't just like you know poisoning these people. He's like brutally brutally murdering them so you know that he's capable of like flicking his finger and making your head pop off and doesn't yeah. give a shit so like you know as the mom's investigating i i found myself almost being like no just stop looking just like <laughs> just like relax have some wine forget about that book the demon left you <laughs> <laughs> no seriously because um when he kind of almost catches her what is that in episode two or three like I was yeah. just nervous for Debbie the whole time. And right? I don't remember feeling that way while reading a comic. Not saying that I was never worried for her. Because mm -hmm. after Mark, her and Mark have that big fight. I mean, well, no, he and Mark have that big fight. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what's going to happen next? But the show, by having that scene, <laughs> that very like prominent get scene happened at the end of episode one. Like they really did themselves a, a, a great service for yeah. setting the tone and letting you know early on, like even if you do find Omni-Man fuckable, just know he will break your spine and not in the way that you want him to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the realization. Hello? 
<laughs> I mean, what's even more terrifying though is like I think those moments perfectly book um end themselves in you know the first episode and a finale in the sense that a little comic tidbit do you guys remember like the three vulture mites that were like standing next to that pile of bodies in the finale like i do the bad bitch with the braid okay (laughs) yes the bad bitch would um you know the mortal Kombat style braid yes they are marginally worse like really yeah Mm -hmm. it gets they make omni man uh look like elmo Yes. Oh, shit. Very much that. And so what I kept thinking once the finale happened, I was just like, oh, shit, but the rest of the Vulture Mites are coming. And I'm like, <laughs> like, and I don't think, you know, obviously within the context of the episodes that we've seen, um, it doesn't look like Omni-Man is giving anyone a sense of grace. But comparatively speaking, um, like Stephanie said, like he is quite soft compared to his compatriots. And I'm just like, um, I really don't know how y'all going to stop this. Um, yeah. So seeing Debbie walk into the, uh, like the, the costumer's shop, at first I was thinking, oh shit, is she going to suit up and then just like do something? And say, I don't know, for, for some reason when she walked in there, I was like, oh shit, is something going to happen where she's like, does something, you know, against um, Omni-Man or something. But it, it, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I really wanted it to happen. Um, Now she does do something, uh, not <laughs> against Omni-Man, actually, unfortunately helping him out because she has a heart. Um, but I don't want to spoil that because I'm pretty sure that'll be... In season two, I, I, it has to be in season two. Oh, I'm looking forward but, to I it. I mean, like Nolan is a is a is a fuck boy all the way through, through and through, and it gets very, <laughs> you know, it gets very Murray Povich um, at some point <laughs> in this show, very Ricky Lakeish, um, a little Ooh. bit of Tyler Perry and drama. So yeah. just be ready. <laughs> codes in different area codes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we we kind of like meet a lot of our characters in this well the characters we meet are the guardians of the globe who then get fucking murdered but so we're introduced to the mauler twins we meet who will be characters throughout the whole season um i kept waiting for them to just like get murdered um they're kind of like reoccurring side bad guys but also like science bros um We meet, what'd you say? I said space devos. Yeah. (laughs) We meet his best friend, William, his gay best friend, who, is he gay in the comics, his best friend? Yep. Yep. Oh, he is? That is very, I assumed that was a change. I am surprised. Surprisingly, Uh, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, Kirkman does have a pretty significant amount of queers in his comics. No, Hmm. I think, I think I just mean surprising in the I don't know, like just surprising in if people were like unfamiliar with, you know, Invincible and Kirkman or whatever and just That's coming great. to this, yeah. you know what I mean? Like coming to the show, like, oh, wait, so they do do a thing with a gay best friend who is active. Yes, he's that's the thing I really I actually really liked William's character because I like that he isn't just I mean, he's a gay best friend, but that's he isn't just a gay best friend. Right. Like mm-hmm. he actually is like a fleshed out character. He gets to do stuff um when he's gone for a few episodes they they like remark about the fact that he hasn't talked to mark in a while he like makes a passing comment about like that's where you've been all these months like i haven't talked to you um and he gets like his own episode where he has like a boyfriend who i was kind of like oh is this boyfriend gonna die and then like he kind of doesn't which made me happier it's like okay we're not just killing the first love interest the gay character got and i the really smart thing they did with william which i will say made me tear up when William immediately recognizes Invincible, when Invincible saves him. And he's like, Mark? <laughs> like, right away, because that makes sense. And I like that even later on, we learn that, uh, oh shit, what's her name? Is it Alana? Amber. Amber, that Amber also recognized. She was like, yeah, of course I know you were Invincible. Like, I really liked them doing that because, I, yeah, if like it's your friend and they're just in a mat, they still have the same voice. Still like, I, it would make sense that people would recognize him. But I feel like the gag about that is that like neither one of them recognized Eve. I know that was hilarious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Eve really didn't deserve that, but it's just kind of like, Hey girl, like you can do all these 
amazing things with your powers. I think it's time for you to like workshop some stuff because the girls don't know who you are and that's a problem. Right? <laughs> it's the, I'm the pink one. I'm like, damn, you are damn bad. <laughs> oh, I hate her costume so much. I, I love her powers too. I, I was almost surprised that she didn't try to join in the fight. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, okay, yes, okay, well, well, let's go through some of the characters. So we do meet, we also meet Eve, um, she's part of, is it, I don't know if the, the, some of the names are stupid on purpose, like Team Team, I was like, is this, yes. yes, is it on purpose? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so in the second episode, we meet Team Team, and it's, we meet Robot, and Rexplode, and Adam Eve, and she's one of his classmates. There's that weird alien invasion that like murders a lot of people. The Flatlands. <laughs> Is that are they like reoccurring aliens yes, in the comics? But mm-hmm. I more so listen, I have never wanted to slightly twerk to an alien theme music so much as a Flaxlands. Because every time <laughs> the production was just hot. It was tight. I was like, what is this? Aaron, they're like murdering at the city and you're like, good for you, honey. That's a good song. Right? I'm like, yes, disco queen, go off. <laughs> but I, I want them to get vengeance. I cannot wait. I'm hoping that there is a storyline where they get vengeance against Omni Man. Okay. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping that there is. That's that's all I'm saying. Because I, I know there's leftovers because we had like a brief like snippet of it at yeah. the end of the last episode. So yeah they um they have more than a few moments in the comics but i also like i feel like the flaxons are a really good example of something that the show does exceptionally well that works as both incredible commentary about the comic space and then like furthers the plot in a way that's really intelligent like I don't know. It's very reminiscent. Like it's it's very much similar to like what the Scream movies did. I feel like, um, and I feel like the Flaxons is probably one of the best examples because it seems like such a silly, just like okay, they're doing this thing again, and then the way that they impact those care like certain characters' futures that should go unnamed for now, is quite fascinating. Like, you don't really take it seriously. Um, and I feel like this is the way that we read villains like this, like the scrolls. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we meet, we also meet Robot, who's voiced by Zachary Quinto, which is another stupid name. Um, but so these heroes are important <laughs> because they, you know, become part of the new guardians of the globe. Omni Man, we, we learn that Omni Man isn't quite happy that his son has powers. They do a lot of training, and he's always a little, like, too tough love dad, where I'm like, mm, you're you're being a little bit of an asshole, and then I'm like, oh, wait, also, you're a murderer. So, like, there was a lot of that going on, where it'd be like, oh, Omni-Man is doing something, and then I, I'm reminded that he's also a murderer, so I didn't, I liked not knowing, I think the reveal of not knowing why was good. I think it was good holding on to that, but letting us know that he's a cold-blooded killer, and he doesn't fucking care who he murders. We get that, we get the new Guardians of the Globe tryouts, it's mostly teen team, and and but the new edition is Monster Girl. It's Monster Girl and... Uh, the Shrinking Ray. Right, what the hell is her name? Is that her name? You know what? I don't even know they've referred to her anything outside of that, but Shrinking <laughs> Ray is her name. Um, but now you have okay. me wondering, because um, I don't recall. Well, so they... Eh, it doesn't really matter. That that character barely has any lines. Um, we also get... God, what's the the other character that they keep calling, like, joking because he's older? Oh, um, he wears a suit, then he ends up getting his powers back. Black Samson. Black Thank Samson. you. I knew it was something like that. Oh, <laughs> that name. Wow. <laughs> so, but he, the thing is that he was a guardian, right? He was one yeah, of the guardians he was. of Yellow. Uh-huh. Until he lost his powers. Right. We also meet Alan the Alien, voiced by Seth Rogen which was a character I really liked. Yeah, and you know what? It's a character that I actually really liked in the comics too. So I was very happy to see Alan the Alien. Um, And Seth actually fits that energy. So it it worked out. Perfect. He really does, right? Like I felt like that was a good, I mean, a lot of these voice actors are Mm -hmm. really good choices. And I kind of like that he's like there to like fight, but then isn't. And then they just like chill and talk on some rocks and moon. Yeah. We, like every one of these people is voiced by someone famous. Um, There's also Cecil. Right. Oh, Cecil. Cecil. Yes. Oh, yes. I low key kind of hope Cecil and Mark's mom get together. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I think with what we get at the end of the last episode with him building that huge army of uh, cyborgs, like I feel like C- Cecil is definitely not a 
good person. He is a... Because you have to do that to people. like Right. He's a Nick Fury that goes yeah. too far. Like, cause like Nick Fury, you would think that he would do that, but he just wouldn't. He doesn't have the gumption right. for it. But Cecil does. <laughs> but Maria Hill, however. <laughs> yeah, Maria Hill, on the other hand, you know, she's like, run me them bodies because we got an army to build. <laughs> is it, is, well, Cecil's more like a the ends justify the means kind of a guy. Yeah. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. So he's gonna do bad things for what he perceives as like you know, good solutions. And he has his reasons for that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, he banishes Damien Darkblood who felt like he was the only, like in my, I really liked, also really liked Damien Darkblood. I love a like silly he demon detective. A great character. Right. Oh. Yeah. And I was mad when Cecil sent him to like, they banish him. Yes. To whatever to, like, I was like, he was the only one that was onto this case. And he probably would have been a big fucking help. If like, you just let him into like, we know, but we need to figure out why. Like, just like, Give him that info, right? Because it also feels like a demon probably can't be killed, so like he would be a good person to have fighting with Omni Man. He he gave me Harry Dresden vibes from. Uh, <laughs> I can see that. Oh my god, I missed the Dresden Files. Yeah, the, 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 those were the vibes I was getting from. I really liked that kind of detective angle that they were taking with him, and then they banished him to hell. Which, so, <laughs> yes, yeah. I feel like that's a great call out. I feel like he's such like he was probably one of my favorite characters in terms of like someone who had just had a few attributes plucked from all of these major characters for me, including like Etrigan, the demon with DC Rorschach from Watchmen. Oh, yeah. um, and then obviously um, Hellboy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I like that he leaves that like army of darkness looking book for the mom to find, which is what kind of like sets her off more so thinking that he did do it, which later, you know, she finds out that he did. All that math she did oh my, to get him to like pick up food. So she'd had 20 oh minutes. My God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was stressing out. Yes. <laughs> Girl, I was like, he's going to pop your head, Sandra. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we saw what he did to the immortal. Yeah. I, all of that was so good. Like the, the tension there and like, yeah, the fucking math she had to do to like send him all over and I was just like, oh, God, if you have like one minute wrong and being who I am, I'm like, I'm always like five minutes late. So I would definitely mess this up and get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like, he'd come home and I'd have all the files in my hand. I'd be like, oh, shit, nothing. I wasn't looking at anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Robot, Robot assembles the new Guardians. He trains them, blah, blah, blah. He also kind of falls in love with Monster Girl. We learn Robot also is like there is a human form. Um, in a very weird reveal, uh, there's like a human weird blob baby form sitting in another thing. Um, and he reaches out to the Mahler twins to build him a new body that is based off Rex Blow because he saw that Monster Girl was attracted to him. That plot felt a little like, what are we doing here to me? I don't know. How what did you guys? That's the only, for me, that would be the only thing that was a little bit weak. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It's very weird. However... Considering what Monster Girl and Robot like literally experience years down the line, it will all make sense. But right now, it just feels like, I don't know. I mean, if I had the Muller twins building me a body, I would come out looking like Nicki Minaj, not a <laughs> hero boy. <laughs> but yes, all of that definitely builds into something into the future. It was so weird uh, to to watch it, but at first I thought there was something more nefarious going on. Going on. Yes. Ro Robot would do some like weird ass stuff, and I thought something nefarious was going on. But it makes sense that he'd want a new body, though. Um, I do think the implications of like taking Rexplode's like DNA and like making his body out of Rexplode is like I understand why Rexplode was so angry at that point. Yes. I was like, yeah, 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 you were violated, basically. Like you just cloned mm -hmm. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I would also not feel happy about that. I'd be like, excuse me, that looks just like me. What the fuck are you doing? And also might not feel so great that oh he did it to romance that other child on our team. Great, cool. Like. <laughs> <laughs> who's up to seven years old it, it's so odd um but i feel like like you said it definitely felt i was thinking like oh we'll probably this is based on a comic we'll probably go back to that that'll probably be a thing we do later which I, like you said we do um so the mark's mother finds out kind of but cecil kind of cecil knows from the start right that it was omni-man he suspects i think uh but 
he, he can't do anything about it. Right, because as we see at the end, he just kind of murders all of them once they try to yeah. fight back. But I was glad when he came in to save the mom. I was like, yes, please go with these people because, Jesus Christ, I was so worried that he was going to murder the mom. Because one, I liked her, and one, and I also really like Mark. So I'm like, please don't kill her. I know you pop everyone's head, but like, just don't. Going into the finale, that was something I was very worried about. Was like, what characters will survive? I mean, is it... It's before the finale that Omni-Man sees William, and I was like, fuck, is he going to kill William? Yeah, I thought he, they even had me there, because I'm like, shit, he's going to kill him. Right. I was like, so worried for this little gay I was like, no, don't kill the one gay character. (laughs) What's really fucked, though, is, um, you know, what is it, episode six or four, when Mark goes to uh, Mars, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then, like, Omni-Man, I mean, well, Nolan and Debbie... Like, they go on this, let's rekindle our love type, you know, date and stuff like that while he's gone. So, like, just think of that. Because, like, there are moments where, you know, intimate moments, whatever, shared between them where, like, you see that she really loves him. And then even though he is a complete piece of shit, there is, like, some something there for her, which just makes... Again, what he says in the in that finale even more terrible because like wow, what a master manipulator. Yeah, yeah, it was still traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> so the going into the finale, I I remember even thinking like God, this like recap needs to be like an hour and a half because so much happened at that point. But like the episode before the finale ends with like the immortals brought back to life by the twins. I don't know why he Ooh. goes to fight Omni Man. I'm like, but you're just going to die, which he does. I don't know what different, like, Omni-Man chopped his head off with, like, one quick, like, slap. What is this man going to do as a re- as a zombie, right? Like <laughs> Abraham Lincoln died not once, not twice, but three times. <laughs> do you know how long it took me to realize? I was like, oh, is it supposed to be their version of Vandal Savage? Got it, got it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, makes all the sense. But so, that battle was so intense, just because he rips him in half in front of his son and mark quickly realizes his dad is not a good guy like he he realizes this and he's just like i can't remember oh so the fight does the fight start in the i can't remember where it's if it's in the episode before or in the finale but so they have their fight and mark the the voice acting he's doing is so good it like hurt my heart when he's like someone has to be controlling you and he's like clearly saying it for him like he knows that's not the case but he wants it to be the case and like you know i feel like that's relatable to anyone who has loved ones who do things that are shitty it's like you don't want to believe they're doing a shitty thing but like he watched it happen he watched the immortal get ripped in half and got splattered with his guts so there's kind of no pretending at this point we get their talk which omnivan omni man reveals his actual backstory uh steph what was Give us that backstory. <laughs> it is like, um, damn, it's like colonizer times 9,000, like the power level. <laughs> Regita, that's what he was looking at. So the story goes of Viltrum is that it was this planet or is this planet that, um, you know, wanted to be the strongest uh, empire in the galaxy. And for a time that they they were until they weren't happy with that anymore, like colonizers and decided they wanted to be the only planet or empire uh, in the whole everything. Right. So they. <laughs> they they pull a Thanos on themselves and they get rid of damn near half the population <laughs> and like these brutal fights. Um, and then sometime later, Omni-Man is born. He joins up with the military. You want to talk about <laughs> Marvel and military <laughs> propaganda. Like this is what <laughs> the real real is. But anyway, like he joins um, their military efforts. Uh, is only a select few because it's always that. And he's assigned Earth. And he gets sidetracked because um, apparently Debbie put the Hellcat SRT on him, and <laughs> they ended up having <laughs> they end up having Mark, and he was you know patient, patiently waiting for Mark to get his power so that he could. I guess he figured he could have a, like a two for one, you know, seventeen right. years raising a kid, and then he'll have backup for when it's time for Viltrum to come in. Axe, not even Axe, tell Earth yeah. that they're going to become a, the part of the Viltrum Empire or whatever. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's really terrible. My question is like, okay, so they're definitely not getting like spices from Earth, you know? Like, what's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like like wh- what are they getting out of this? Like like conquering people? You know, they don't get anything out of it's just the at this point when they decided they just wanted to be the one, the main one in the universe. It's literally just a power thing because if you do not agree, he lets Mark know like we'll just destroy the planet. Instead of if they will not bow to us and they're going to give us too many too much trouble, then we're just going to destroy the planet. Hmm. Which makes sense because the Viltrumites and Viltrum, like most empires, were based off the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and that was exactly how they rolled too. It was either you comply or we torch your entire, you know, country to the ground, and then yeah, that- no, no rhyme or reason. Just because, uh, yeah, what is that? Does. The Joker. Some, you know, some civilizations just want to see the universe burn. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. Wow, this edible has me on my P's and Q's, y'all. <laughs> um, the Hellcat SRT really just sent me to Viltrum, so thank you for that. But what I find interesting about all of this is, like, I feel like Kirkman really is digging into certain pockets of truth that I don't think we like to allow ourselves to not necessarily partake in, but I feel like there's always a suspension of belief that is attached with comic books and superheroes in general. And we always have this age-old debate, like if Superman would beat Batman, and it's always Batman's got a, the expertise and like he'll like strategically like pop things out. And it's like, no, this man has a strength of a thousand sons. Like if he wants to kill Batman, there is nothing that Batman can do about it. Like I'm very much under that belief. And it's nice to see this played out outside of like some... I don't know, random TikTok scenario, you know? <laughs> random TikTok scenario. <laughs> I, I loved seeing that too, because I'm sorry for any Batman fans out there. I'm not the biggest Batman fan, especially with like Gotham. Oh my God, let me, oh, I got to subscribe to your YouTube again. Just off <laughs> well, that. Okay. Let me make another account. Because <laughs> he, he's just a rich, per- he's the richest person in the city and doing nothing about it and just like spending money on his toys just so that he can feel good. Oh my no, gosh. Okay, let me, I'm going to make a third account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it just, it just bothers me. It bothers me so much. I mean, why wouldn't it? Because Batman is the only, <laughs> the only hero I know who will not kill his formidable villains, but will break the spines of a henchman without like without <laughs> a semblance of a doubt. Um, and then they're stuck, you know, in um, you know, Gotham Grace Hospital paying off um, Wayne Tech bills. That he's getting, because it's Wayne, it's the it's the Wayne Gotham <laughs> Hospital or whatever. <laughs> like as they're rushing people to the ER, those people are like passing the photo of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> who is like you know hanging up because his dad worked there like wasn't his dad like chief of chief whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> of um see part of me wants a nice world chaos order for gotham and be like girl return to how the girls used to do in um the 1400s in france go ahead and take her out of the back castle and hang her from the rafters <laughs> like that's okay I'm like, the poor has a limit <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't kill them because they know he knows that they're going to get free and if, right. if, if if he kills them all then what is he going to do with all his toys you know <laughs> nothing because like yeah. i mean you have to be embarrassed you've been fighting crime in gotham for almost a century now it still looked the same yeah y'all don't have no exactly. cars or nothing <laughs> meanwhile the joker ain't aged today fenty red lipstick still on lock the crowbar looking real cute Oh, <laughs> hitting them over the head with a tail for her bag full of bricks. Oh. oh, if you have not seen that episode of Justice League, um, it is from season one. I think it's episode eight or nine, but it is really worth your time because, yeah, yes. that that scene. <laughs> but back to uh, Omni Man. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, wow, like what a way to, because first off, the fact that everything is being recorded, but no, before he tore um, the immortal apart, that whatever that little cute beam was that they tried to knock him out with, and he just flies up and just destroys it. 
how should like I mean because I feel like they really thought that that might have been like one of their last efforts and to have that destroyed so easily and so quickly like that's scary as hell yeah didn't she say it was like 40 million dollars <laughs> or something like that was it 40 billion dollars like yeah. That, yeah. that's a lot of tech like which <laughs> is funny and it also begs the question of like right now the I mean, he took out the Guardians of the Globe, and the new Guardians of the Globe just don't seem up to par with the old ones. And now mm-hmm. you just have Invincible, and he's still a teenager that barely has any experience. So when he totally got pummeled by Omni Man, I was like, I'm glad they did this, and because it just didn't make sense for Invincible to be, be able to beat Omni Man. I was like, I'm glad no. that he no. got his ass beat because like th- that makes sense to me that that would happen. I so. I saw the Invincible Twitter account retweet something that was like. Mark every episode of Invincible, and it was like a picture of Peter Griffin laying on the floor with like his bones broken, <laughs> bleeding. And I feel like that's true. Like every episode, like Battle Cat, I was like, is it's he die? Like there's so many moments when I'm like, is Mark dead? When his dad is like pushing him into mountains and he's like gurgling blood, I was like, does he die? Is that all his end? Like, yeah, how does he alive? D- did anybody else freak out when they're uh, playing oh, playing catch? And that ball went right above the airplane. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought they were about to. T- that seems just super dangerous to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought they were going to kill a whole plane of people on Spirit oh. Airlines on their way to Miami um, playing catch. <laughs> 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 me flying to LA on my shitty Spirit Airlines flight. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I was like, this does not seem safe. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> well, so. So, uh, the. I will say the finale felt like there was almost one too many just punching scenes. They do a good job. I loved it but though. Yeah. yeah, it's it's well done, but it felt like the my thought process was going back and forth between this is a world with a lot of superheroes. Couldn't there be more heroes than just the Guardians of the Globe that are like coming to help? But then I, also, but you well, know he, what, Ian? Uh uh-uh. uh. Because, because, <laughs> 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 uh Because uh, even if I was a hero in that world, I would have been like, what? wow. So I'm going to continue binge watching this thing on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck no. to them. Yeah, like, ooh. <laughs> Good luck, girl. <laughs> and the Guardians of the Globe had it right because they're like, yeah, there's nothing we can do, but we can go out there and try to like minimize the collateral damage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Cause like that was a lot of collateral. Like he literally used his son's body to kill people. Like, yes. oh my gosh. I was like, the, the actual trauma from that. A whole uh, train line. Like, Jesus Christ. But I mean, he took his son to Subway and he ate fresh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And the, it, was, it was more than a foot long so <laughs> oh no uh, and like when he throws him into that building and he's trying to save that mother and oh, child yeah. oh gosh like, yeah and then the arm and I was like oh <laughs> no I, I was watching that with my husband and and he was he just told me he was like hey this is what we don't see in those uh, superhero movies is like the people inside those buildings that are just yeah. dying like and, and we're actually seeing it. He's like, this is what I like about the show is that we're actually seeing like the collateral damage, like the people affected by that. And I was like, yeah, you're right, because like Marvel don't do it, like because you know New York was looking like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> it specifically fra- in like certain frame by frames is the fight with Superman and Zod in Man of Steel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like certain like um, there's already a YouTube video about it um, now that should be up, but. It is almost verbatim when they're just having sort of like, I don't know, the sky tennis punches. Like, <laughs> all of that is like it. <laughs> hmm. So a lot of those DC movies, they do that, but they don't. It's like just the damage. But this is like they're doing the damage on purpose, right? Like we are supposed to understand that Mark is traumatized and this is a fucking awful thing. Awful and hopeless fight that he is going through with his father. So it's like, you know, that that woman and child that he does not save that's supposed to, like, it's not just like, oh, well, gotta keep fighting. It's like, he is upset, and it is understandable, and like, that's why I don't mind the violence as much, because it is, it's not like it just happens and everyone's smiling afterwards. It's like, it happens, and he is upset. Um, right. And we are upset, and like, that's, that's why I, that's why I don't find the violence, like, bad. Like, it was, a, there was a lot of it, but I, I 
it made sense story-wise. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it, yeah. it absolutely does make sense. And I just think of the boys in that, what was that, episode two or three? The one where Stormfront goes in and like murders okay. that whole building of Black people. Oh, Jesus. That felt, I don't know, the difference between those two, because like both of those scenes are like showing like, yeah, this is actually what happens when regular humans come in contact with superheroes or whatever who mean them all the harm. Mm. I don't know, like there was just a difference because um, I get that they had to establish that Stormfront was like this race is no good but i don't know like it just felt it didn't serve the same purpose or come off as effective to me than this like because you know that nolan is trying to like bring home the point to mark like these people mean absolutely nothing to me so let me in this fight i'm going to one use your body to kill people but also like destroy a little part of the city to just point, prove a point to you. And then also when they go to the mountains, like just destroyed yeah. a whole town again, just to, just to prove a point, like how fucked is that? Yeah. yeah. It's like killing ants. He crossed um, several ecosystems to do so. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Another thing, the reason why I brought up the, the boys situation, because even like with Mark was trying to say like this clearly brown skin mother and daughter or whatever, but you do see her arm there. Um, that type of, I don't know, like something about that is I'm like, I get it versus, you know, this other thing that went on way too long because y'all just don't know when to stop. Um, again, like it just served the, I get why and how it served the, um, the story or whatever, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just the animation. I just feel like Invincible <laughs> just does um, what the boys wants to do and sometimes does do well, but in a way that doesn't feel tone deaf. But the, the boys feels less purposeful, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, like Stormfront, like, I mean, I, I love the, the, the portrayal of the character, but like, sometimes I just, I just, it just didn't feel like right to me. And then it's all harkening right. back to like the, the, the like the Nazi um, stuff. And it was like, like I, I almost get uh, like, oh yeah, we're, we're super powerful and therefore everybody else is beneath me. But like the Nazi thing just seemed so. It's too much. Yeah. It was a little too much. It was like over the top. Because when you're dealing with sort of, let's just say racism on that scale, that is not, what we face on a day-to-day, right? Like, (laughs) that is not what the average microaggression looks like to the average Black person or queer person or, like, Black woman. Like, and so I think to always take it to those heights, like, the... Like, I don't know. Nazi lore is very boring for me in that sense that like, I don't know, it gets to a point where it's like, can you find another reason for you guys to be racist or do you just want to, you know, do this? Yeah, yeah, there's more racism than 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 like everybody brings it back to Nazis. Oh, yeah, they're evil because they're Nazis. And I'm like, okay, but there's so many more evil people in the world that are Nazis. There are so many more evil people in the world. And the Nazis were heavily inspired by Antebellum South, like in a lot of their rhetoric. So (laughs) I don't know. I'm just always like, this should not be the thing that we always go to. No. And then also like Nazis aren't being passive aggressive to me in a, like in a work. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It is not a Nazi following me around the store of Barney's. Like, it, it's, it's not. You know, that's funny. Uh, there was, I can't remember who wrote it, but back when Aaron and I worked for Geeks Out, someone did write a piece that was actually about that. It was said, like, it was like called No More Nazis. And it was like how that, like, basically talking about that. And that was the first time I heard someone mention that. And this was a while ago. And I remember, like, I've kind of always thought about that moving forward. Like, all right, we're good on Nazis. Like, mm, like let's, we, there are, like you said, there are plenty of other villains that aren't just like, Nazis like so I just yeah I get a little like uh, about that like I'm glad Omni-Man isn't also like look he is a villain and he doesn't need he thinks he's doing right quote unquote yeah, um, yeah. and like that shit is at this point we're, we're good on Nazis I feel like well because everybody pins everybody p- pins all the villainous acts on like like Nazis like only n- Nazis are like the bad people. No, right. it's not just Nazis. There's bad people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost a cop out at this point. And they have like yeah. very different motivations. I, you know, like for those who don't know, I love doing character studies on villains. They are usually my favorite characters. And I feel like, 
take Cersei from Game of Thrones. That is a perfect example of someone who is, yes, technically evil on like a scale of one to 10. She's probably like a soft, like eight. Sure. Um, <laughs> but her motivations have nothing to do with race, nothing to do, actually everything to do with gender in her case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that is like sort of a driving motivation for her is the way men have treated her. But I don't know. I just, in a fictional sense, there's too much you can do with world building to always cop out to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave it to Red Skull <laughs> and Lesmo. <laughs> yeah i i agree with that i mean that's i mean i think i think omni-man really is like one of like a very interesting villain like i just the way the story is like built around him i think he's a very uh, not compelling but he's just interesting because it's like you feel bad for the main character because he is the main character's father even if we hate him and i think that makes for Mm -hmm. a dynamic that i don't know that i can say that i've genuinely seen before but it's definitely so I tweeted this when I was watching, I forget, like near to the end. I started when I was a like teen, I used to like, this was like my like way into writing was I used to like draw my own comics and like plot out stories and stuff. And I like had a story that I like half finished that I then was like, turned it into a half finished YA novel and like kind of was influenced by Invincible without me ever having to read it because I'm sure so many other comics I've read have been influenced by Invincible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's like wild that like this story could influence so many things that it could definitely influence something I wrote without me knowing it. Um, And I think that says a lot about the story here because I think the story being told is so different than a, your typical superhero story. And usually with your superhero story, you don't have the parents, or even fantasy stories, you don't have the parents involved so much or like like to this degree. Yeah. And, what, and what I like about Omni-Man is like, besides the whole being a murderer and like beating up his son at the end of the last episode, like he's actually a pretty good dad. He's like, he's like a better dad than, than my dad. Sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> and... Yes. And like I was, I was like, like he, he goes out and he makes that effort, and I'm like, he seems to make that effort as a husband, you know, uh, like in all aspects. I, and I like that. I, I like that he can be somebody who, who, and this is some, something I tell people a lot is like, you can have people who like do good things, but they're also bad people at the same time. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And those make for the most charming and deceptive villains that you'll come across. You know what Invincible reminds me of more than anything, more than superhero lore? It gives me HBO's undoing. It is. Ooh, yes. Yes, it is. Okay, Ian, did you say you haven't seen it? Correct, yeah, no. I haven't seen it either. You, You both should watch it and just pay attention to Hugh Grant's character. And if you, I think if you watch this, now, after watching Invincible, you'll see what I mean. Hmm. Right. So I can't say anything now because I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a great villain character piece. And like this show, it does try to throw a few curveballs in terms of like figuring out the whodunit method of it all. But damn it, I can't go fully into this allegory now that you two have not seen it. Um, well, Aaron, <laughs> relating to another good villain, I forget how far you got in Buffy. Um, I got to season five. Season five is Glory, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I was going to bring up Glory because oh, I love Glory. Glory, right? She's so iconic. And the reason she's such a good villain is because she doesn't give a shit about Buffy. Like she's making fun of them. She's saying they're beneath her and they are like, she could murder them very easily. And she's like more concerned with like looking fabulous and getting fucking back home. Right. Like that's all she gives a shit about. And for me, like I love that we were able to just see her this like hell God be fucking evil. She likes to look good, which like, okay, great. But like, she was evil and we let her be evil. There wasn't like a, I mean, relating back to what we're talking about, she wasn't like part of like Nazis or what she just didn't care about humans. And if she needed to murder them, she would. She didn't care. And like, for me, that's, I kind of like that type of villain that we just like allow them to be evil. Because it's also like really unsettling because you don't have an explanation. The villains that you cannot find explanations for, um, which is, it's like one of the reasons why I I did not care for the Maleficent remake um, Disney mm-hmm. did. Because I just, Maleficent was one of the most terrifying Disney villains that I'd ever seen. And she, 
didn't really have a reason. In fact, I mean, yes, it was very petty to be like, well, you didn't invite me to your baby shower. So, um, your child can choke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but outside of that, like she was just a, a natural chaos bringer. And I feel like mm-hmm. the only character or the only villain that we kind of pop culturally accept in that realm is the Joker. And I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I've seen the baby shower villains on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. Yeah. I can see the profile picture right here. Someone please do this TikTok right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think characters like that, and the, the reason I brought up Glory too is because she also could, she was stronger than our hero. And like right. way stronger than every other character. And that's how Omni-Man is, right? Like he definitely could murder any of these people. I mean, he beats the shit out of his son, but he like, they are at least more of a match than him versus literally. I mean, we saw our like Justice League slash Avengers analog in that first episode get completely slaughtered by him. And he doesn't really feel much, right? Like, there's no feeling when he's just like, all right, you're bothering me. Boop, there's your head. Boop, there's your arms. Like, and that's how he works. Um, and I kind of love that shit. Which is where I want to go is I was a little disappointed when he like beats Mark to death and he's like gurgling blood in that mountaintop. And he's like, what do you have left? And Mark like slurs out like, I still have you. I would be such a gay bitch. I'd be like, well, motherfucker, if you hadn't tried to kill me, here I am. I have nothing. Like, I feel like I would be so out of my mind with rage and anger while also dying that I would just be immediately shitty about it. And I didn't love that Mark was still like, but I love you, dad. I'm like, you love him? What? Why? Like, he just called your mother a pet. He just, like, said that he doesn't mind murdering the whole world. Like, I wanted Mark to be a little bit more angry at his dad. I mean, I get that that, then that's why Omni-Man flies off, because his son still loves him, and he has that memory of when he picks him up when he's a little kid, which is precious. I don't know. I felt a little bit, like, a little bit of blue balls there for that scene. What'd you guys think? Oh my goodness, Ian. I cannot lie. I cried a little bit <laughs> because he's obviously trying to like, like uh, get his dad to like, see like his humanity, which we yeah. see in that flashback is, is when Debbie calls him. He's like, this is what being a human is like. And he's thinking about that while, while this is happening. And then he calls out, he's like, you dad, like you are the going to be the one who's still there for me 500 years from now. And that's when it finally kind of like, it seems like something clicks for him uh, and, and he takes off. And I, I liked that. I, I like that because it, I, I don't think that there was a, I can't think of a, a another way to like end that portion of it. Yeah. I guess, I guess I didn't expect Omni-Man to be, I kind of thought he would be like our villain here and then go away. Like I kind of thought it was going to be Mark has to kill him um, kind of thing, which I can appreciate if we're going to keep him around. I just, I don't know. It felt a little unfulfilling to me at the end there. Uh, Steph, what do you think? Um, Kind of similar to um, Alistair. Cause like, I don't know. I think because they showed that little flashback or whatever, and they're just narratively like trying to bring home the point that Mark, you know, unfortunately naively still believes that he can appeal to any of the like humanity that his dad possibly picked up in the 17 years that he'd been there. Um, And it's just heartbreaking. So I kind of like the move in that way because now I'm further invested in how Mark is going to react moving forward. Like as the trauma of everything that just happened, like after he's had days or actually weeks now to like kind of process everything, like where he goes from there. Because, you know, his dad doesn't kill him and he flies off. And like, unfortunately, you know, for a lot of kids, no matter how shitty their parents are, there's still that hope that they'll still be your parent. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like in that moment, um, as fucked up as it was, like Mark was still kind of hoping that. And it's just, it was just really heartbreaking. And again, because it's Mark and Steve Ewing is, you know, voicing that character, he just really kind of sells it in he a does. way that so I, yeah, like in a way that I couldn't, even if I really wanted to be mad, like I just, I couldn't because like, I, like I can hear that emotion there. Um, Damn, damn them for making me like 
And you see like Omni-Man have a little bit of tears as he flies yes. off. And it's not even like I saw that and felt bad for him, but it was just like, <laughs> like you really did have a choice, but you decided to side with your murderous planet. But this, like, right. this is literally what you chose. Yeah. Like you did this motherfucker. Like you, you did all this. Like your son is like half dead on a mountain because of you. Mm-hmm. And those, all those superheroes are dead and that whole Half of Chicago is dead because yeah. of you. There's no going back on that. No going back on that. Like, yeah, that's that's the thing where I kept thinking, like, well, he can't get a redemption because he murdered half a city and a full team of superheroes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Aaron, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to. Mm, yeah, well, I guess. I guess we will, Alistair and I will see you in season well, here's two. The thing, and I feel like even in you guys' discourse over, like, just, like, literally the last 40 seconds of you guys talking, like, there is still want, I think, overall for him to, like, redeem himself in some way. And I feel like we, <laughs> pop culturally speaking, love when villains do this for us. I feel like Loki's oh, yeah. a great example, but Loki also did not call. Actually, yes, she did. Um, Miss Loki was trying it but I also I think Ian to your original question I don't think that I wanted him to be angry because he is supposed to embody so um, so much of these like altruistic characters and so I immediately think of how would Peter react Peter Parker Mm -hmm. if he was in this this exact same predicament if Uncle Ben was a homicidal asshole. <laughs> um, and I feel like Peter would break. And I feel like it's something that's necessary for two reasons. He is still 17 and yeah. we need to see more soft straight men like this, you know? Um, and that's I feel fair. like this is why queer men love Nightwing, Gambit, Hawkeye, um, like these sort of characters that are not so heteronormative in the way that they mm. behave and emote. And I feel like he's a great example. And I do think also making him Asian American help with that too. Like, um, yeah. yeah, like it wasn't just, you know, cis het white <laughs> um, macho men is um, flailing on the screen, but yeah, I, I feel for him. And I, and, and I think that moment was meant to be a punch to the gut um, I feel like that mirrored by when, you know, his mom is in a bedroom, like, bawling her eyes out. And I was like, I get it. This is the man that he idolized for 17 years. And he finds out within the span of two hours how much of a dick he is. Yeah. Now, on top and of it, being a dick, you get, like, abused and traumatized relentlessly. I mean, they're they're layering on the trauma. And also, like, you don't immediately stop, like, loving people who you're loving just because they're a horrible person. Like if I find out tomorrow that my mom's actually secretly a murderer, like <laughs> I wouldn't like stop loving my mom. Like I definitely want her to like get help slash, you know, like be accountable for her, like what she did. But you know, you don't, you don't automatically stop loving somebody just because you found out new information about them. You have to process that. And, and hopefully we see him process this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah. I think we do need an episode of processing because he didn't quite, get that we kind of get it at the end here when he like sees his mother sobbing and he kind of goes out with his friends we get a little bit of it but yeah i think i would like a little bit more because he would definitely be very traumatized about everything about everything that happened right like from the like his father using his body to murder people to his father being a murderer to what his father said about his mother and all that shit there would definitely be a lot of trauma for our poor precious mark all right i think we're at the end here um we're i guess like what was well, instead of like favorite scene that we, I just like favorite moment from the series. Aaron, um, low key any scene with Amber. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt she kept Mark really on his toes, barely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it's interesting because there was a lot of online discourse about like I don't know, just a lot of bros being like, "Oh, Amber's being ridiculous," and I'm like, "She's she's not. She's not." Do is be honest. Um, but yeah. Amber, she's great. I, you know, I liked Amber. I put in my notes that she's the type of girl that I would have pretended to have a crush on, but really would have been like more of a friend crush slash I wanted to be her because I thought I would have thought she was like the cool. She like, definitely would have texted cult. you while you were at the lunch table and being like hand emoji with a painted nails. <laughs> <laughs> like you and I would in the same when we're in the same room. Yes. 
<laughs> um, Stephanie, what was your favorite like thing or moment from the series? You know what? I think the stuff with Doc Seismic. Um, it was just yeah. like a really fun, yes. uh, you know, homage to like superhero tropes or whatever when they're fighting him. And Doc Seismic was also kind of funny too. So I just really enjoyed seeing Mark and Eve team up. And like that whole sequence was great before things went horribly wrong. And the, th- yes. the thing is like Doc Seismic, like what he was saying made sense. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. and it, But he's the villain in this scenario. It seemed very like, I don't know. It seemed very Marvel to me. <laughs> well, you better say it. <laughs> Alistair, what was your favorite uh, moment? So I like when um, Adam Eve uh, just told her parents off and just like left and then like I did created like a non door so that they wouldn't follow her. I, I, I liked it because like it just didn't make sense that her father just like would not accept the fact that she was like a capable woman. Like he, he, he would just not yeah. accept it. And she said, you know, fuck, freak it. I'm not going to like, <laughs> I'm not going to deal with it anymore. I'm just going to leave. And I, I like that because sometimes you just can't argue with people. You just need to leave. And you know what? It's very indicative of a very popular redhead telepath in Marvel. Oh, no. It is. Like, <laughs> it, it is like, that was such gene commentary moment for me. I was like, okay, yeah, I got it. Message with me. Mine is that. <laughs> ugly green frock they have her in right now girl (laughs) i just had to bring that up i'm sorry that stupid green that stupid green just makes me mad every time i see it (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i think my favorite i it's weird to say but i think my favorite is that ending of that first episode just because i wasn't expecting it and it was just such a holy shit five minutes of like watching our avengers slash justice league members just getting like completely murdered and it definitely like changed the way I was it, like set the tone for the rest of the series of me being anxious that he was going to do it again to more loved ones. And the fact that I knew that he couldn't even be defeated by the like biggest superhero team in this universe who all like, you know, we had our like Batman type dude. We had our Wonder Woman type type character. Like we had very those type of characters and he fucking murdered them all. Um, What grade do you give uh, the series, Aaron? Um, I would give it a solid A. I think this series does a really great job of delivering comic book commentary while also establishing something fresh and like interesting um, and still very timely. So yeah. Uh, Alistair? I would give it an A and a gold star, you know, with like a smiley face as you'd sometimes get. (laughs) Uh, Stephanie? I'm also giving it a solid A. Just um, everything that Aaron said is just, (laughs) <laughs> for the comic like the comic isn't the comic is readable like i would tell anybody to like go read that but Ooh, it just really does a great way it does a great job of fixing some of the stuff in the comics that was kind of like mm, are y'all sure yeah. and um <laughs> pulling from the stuff that was really great from it so solid a and i'm so happy that it has another two seasons yeah t- yeah yeah renewed for two and three Psyched. yeah i agree with all of you with a solid absolute solid a it's so good if you haven't checked it out check it out but even though we spoiled it for you i'm sure you probably already did check it out thank you all for joining us thank you all for listening if you like slayer fest 98 you can find us on spotify youtube apple podcasts and other corners of the internet where you get your podcasts you can find us on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. You can find me at Carlos. And if you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon, where you get access to three to four monthly bonus episodes of the podcast a month, my nudie Judy episodes that I do with Alistair's husband, Zachary, and access to our private Facebook group and more. Alistair, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me as Alistair Reviews It on YouTube and then Alistair J. Patton on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And Stephanie, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Steph underscore I underscore Will. You can check out my website, whysteph.com. And um, if you buy comics uh, on July 27th, 2021, 
Wonder Woman Black and Gold number two will be out. And I'm telling you this because I wrote a story in it and I want you to read it. We love Stephanie also uh, wrote a a story in, was it Marvel Legacies? Yes, Marvel Voices Legacy. Thank you for bringing it up. Yes, Marvel Voices Legacy number one. It's a Monica Rambeau story. It's really cute. Features some really broke superheroes. And you should also check that out. Um, And Aaron, where can everyone find you? Um, You can find me at magical.poppy, P-A-P-I on Instagram and the Twitters and the talk of ticks. All right, everyone. We'll see you later. Bye.